the musician that big right now is Billy Eilish. Billy Bil- Eilish. Billie Eilish, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of already tired of her. Laura was in the car listening to it, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds really cool. This reminds me of here. Let me use some Fiona Apple." Uh huh. And, and I got snarled at. Like really? Like, yeah. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 230. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this fine rainy evening by Brogan King. Hello. Hello. Is it raining where you are? It is not, but it's supposed to rain here like the next week. So, hooray. Okay, so we'll just pretend that it's next week, uh, which oh, won't do us any good because that'll be after the Corset 2020 pre-release this upcoming weekend. And that's what our episode's about tonight. Uh, well, not the pre-release specifically, but Corset 2020 release notes. Preparing Yay. you for yep. pre-releases talking, and beyond. Yep. Judge Cast talking about the card so you don't have to. So you have to again later, but you're more informed. No, that's actually, if you have a ruling, if you're a judge, oh, you just play, play Judge Cast. Right. You just play this thing and it'll answer all the questions. Oh, now, please don't do that. Uh... Well, yeah, because the notes it would it would take me a long time. Like I'd have to sit down and make like a time, time marker, a timestamp for every single card in the set, Mm-mm. and I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. So you're just gonna have to listen to it at like three times speed, where we sound like chipmunks. Just got chipmunk it up, yeah. Right. Yep. Fortunately, we go in alphabetical order, so you should be able to jump around. Perfect. Oh, it's yes. gonna rain. I, I hear the thunder. You hear the thunder? Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing the thunder. Thanks, Brian. All right. Sometimes I even wonder. Sometimes I wonder why I even bring the thunder. Okay. Why you even corsets. bring the thunder? Why I even bring the thunder? Beautiful. Corsets are back, even though there was one last year. But they're back again. They're they're back. Still, we're not re-retiring them. They're yes. back again. Again. Well, we did retire them for like three sets. A couple of years. Yeah. So they were retired and and you know for eleven months. Um. So this uh. Uh, there's some Chandra's in this set, aren't there? Uh, there are three of them in packs. There's an uncommon one, a rare one, a mythic one, and also one in the Chandra Planeswalker deck. I hope you like Chandra. Um, that is actually one of the, like, mentioned set themes of this set, which I think is really interesting that, like, just a single Planeswalker is a theme in, in, in herself. Um... But that related to that, um, if you want to know about planeswalkers and general rules surrounding them, uh, we talked about planeswalkers a whole lot in our War of the Spark release notes episode, uh, because there were a lot of them. Um, and that's episode 225. If you really want to know more about specifically planeswalkers, um, and our friend Chandra here, it's worth going to listen to that episode. So, so probably just the the one note is to to remember about the Chandra Planeswalkers. You can have the uncommon Chandra and the rare Chandra and the mythic rare Chandra all out at the same time. They are different Chandras. So if you get really, really lucky at your pre-release, you got all three of them and you're probably winning. Congratulations. Good job. I like the flavor of that and simultaneously hate the flavor of that. Uh, just like baby, baby Chandra, teenage Chandra, and adult Chandra. 
yeah, like they're 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 teaming up. Like I always have wondered, like if my if my my you know ten years ago self met my now self, how would she feel? And in the case of Chandra, I think she'd be pretty pumped. Oh yeah, <laughs> like like baby Chandra looking at adult Chandra. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, get there. Look how cool I am. Would 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 young Brogan be like? What happened to you? Uh, depends on where I was in my life at the time. <laughs> at any speaking of no, I have nothing good for this. Um, <laughs> uh, we have another thing that has returned from uh, the dead, but not uh, protection. We thought protection was gone. That was totally phasing out. That it was too complicated to use on cards. But no, protection's back. Well, how's that work? Well, you what can. What is it? What's it do? What it do though? Um, protection. Uh, usually, you get protection like from a color. You can have protection from other things, but it's typically protection from a color. Um, and what that means is four things. Um, typically um, referred to as a mnemonic as debt d e b t. Um, so uh, damage that would be dealt to that permanent by a source of generally that color is prevented. So let's say it's protection from black damage that would be dealt to that permanent by a, a black source is prevented. Um, it also means that it cannot be enchanted or equipped by the, um, by that color. So um, you cannot attach ores or equipment. Uh, it also means that creatures of that color cannot block your protected permanent and uh, your permanent cannot be the target of spells or abilities of that color. So co- spells that are that color or abilities generated by sources that are that color. Um, things to note in addition to that, it does not prevent like destruction effects, like some sort of wrath of God effect that destroys all your creatures. If you have protection from white, it does not protect your creature from being destroyed. Um, something gaining protection may make a target of a spell or ability illegal. Um, as we say, and this is something that comes up in basically every release notes episode, <laughs> if there are no legal targets for your spell or ability, that spell or ability does not resolve. Um, and also, protection only applies while your object with protection is on the battlefield. So if something has protection from blue and you want to counter it uh, with some sort of blue counter spell, you can. Because you're, you're targeting... The, the card on the stack, not targeting right. the permanent on the battlefield. Now, there's actually a weird thing with protection. Um, so you, you you normally have like protection from white, protection from black. You can occasionally have protection from artifacts, protection from creatures, stuff like that. Generally in the rules and on cards when you say when you say creatures or artifacts, you're referring to permanence on the battlefield. Um, you'll see things like counter-target artifact spell. Okay, that's because an artifact is a permanent on the battle, a, a permanent with the type of artifact that is on the battlefield. It's and, not a card. Right. They'll say, like, if it's talking about a creature card in the hand or a creature card in the graveyard, it'll say creature card. But if it's talking about a creature on the battlefield, it'll say creature. Protection doesn't do that, though. Protection has an exception to this rule. So if something says protection from creatures, what it's talking about is any card with that quality, whether it's on the battlefield or from the hand or anything like that. So if you have 
um, like a, a card that, you know, if you cycle it and it deals damage and that card happens to be a creature and something has protection from creatures, even though it was never a creature on the battlefield, it's got protection from that. Just to make things extra fun. Just to make, hey, it's a rules podcast. <laughs> All right. Ley lines. Oh, boy. Oh, these are coming back. So uh, they're, bringing, they're bringing back ley lines. So ley lines is a collection of cards that have this interesting text that says, if ley line of the blank is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. So you can actually do something before you can do something. <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. Okay. And because that's weird, there's some rules that go along with that. Um, so some of the ley lines are reprints. Some of them are new, specifically ley line of the void being the reprint that we all care about. Right. right. Um, so a player's opening hand. So it says, if this ley line is in your opening, ley line of the void is in your opening hand. What does it mean to be in your opening hand? Well, it means you've stopped taking mulligans. So it's, it's, you know, you decide to mulligan down to five and a ley line is in, in your opening hand. Cool. But you can't. Start with seven cards and be like, oh, well, this is my opening hand. Let me put the ley line out. Now let me mulligan to six. So you just get the free free ley line? I get the free ley line, yeah. Um, so generally, um, you know, what's, what's, what's the order? Um, so the starting player, so both players take their mulligans. And then the starting player who goes first is going to, you know, if they got any ley lines, they can put ley lines down. And then you, the non-active player, if you got any ley lines, you can put those down. And then the starting player can actually go. Now, in reality, things get a little sloppy. Yeah. Okay. Because you, it might be something like if Brogan and I are playing and Brogan's going first, I might still be resolving mulligans and Brogan goes ahead and takes her turn. It's just like, I'm going to put my ley line out while you're still uh, mulliganing. That's fine. Or not, even, or not even put your ley line out. Just land, just go. start going. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, it's kind of important. It's on the, the, the non-actor or the player with ley line to kind of be on the ball there. Cause if you let the other player start doing things, like if they just go land, go, you can be like, hold on. But if they're like land, crack this fetch, get an island brainstorm. brainstorm. Yeah. And you're just, and you're <laughs> sitting there like, okay, whatever. I'm still mulliganing. And then you, you're like, oh, well now I want to put a ley line. Nah, it doesn't. Doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, they, they they can't rush you through putting your ley line down, but if they start to do things, you you need to take the initiative to say, hold 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 on a second. Hold on, I might not I, don't, I might not have a ley line now, but I might have one after another mulligan. Um, but I mean, it's just good. It's just good in general practice, like to not let your opponent start doing things before you got a hand. To, yeah, uh, to, to just wait until like so everyone's done. We got some some new mulligan rules. Yes. So I think we talked about these a little bit, but not a whole, whole lot because we were like, okay, well, we're going to wait for the official rules to come out. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're this is changing. We'll talk yep. about it when when it's actually changing, which yeah. is so, yeah. Friday, July 12th. Yeah, now we've got the rules for this, but we don't have policy for this. That'll come the following week. So, so TBD. Yes. So tell, can you tell me what these mulligan rules are? Yes, I, I think they're very neat. Um, so it is... Going commonly referred to as the L London Mulligan because it was tested uh, in London at the Mythic Championship. Um, going into again, going into effect Friday everywhere in all formats and all tournaments starting Friday, July twelfth. And the way it works uh, is uh, 
the players draw seven cards or whatever their starting hand size is. It's generally seven cards. Um, you look at your seven. You decide if you want to mulligan in, in turn order, starting with the starting player. Um, sort of like with the ley lines we just talked about. Um, once everyone has decided if you want to mulligan, everyone who has chosen to mulligan will shuffle their hand back into the library. As at, again, so far following what we were doing before. Now it gets now it gets spicy. Um, after you've shuffled your your seven cards back in, you draw back up to your opening your your starting hand size, which is typically seven cards. Then put cards on the bottom of your library in any order equal to the number of mulligans you have taken. So if it is your first mulligan, you'll put one card on the bottom. If it is your second mulligan, you will put two cards on the bottom, so on and so forth. Um, oh, there's a mad dog in my home. She's she, mad that you... Not those two cards. She really doesn't like mulligans. What? Well, she's just telling you that you picked the wrong two cards to put on the bottom. But no, it's that I put them on the bottom in the wrong order. Oh. Um, but yes. because I because it does explicitly state... I think, I think this is the thing that has... Um, that I hadn't thought too much about before I started looking into it is that it's in any order. So I can, if I'm really hoping to draw one of those two cards I'm putting on the bottom and not planning on shuffling, I'll know which one's there. Um, and, um, (laughs) ah, the, as we approach the, the question everyone's had on their minds, um, you can shortcut this process. You do not explicitly have to, let's say I am, mulliganing my first time i draw my seven cards and it's it's all lands and i know i'm going to throw it back i do not have to take my time to put a card on the bottom then shuffle i can just slap it all back and shuffle um it's it's kind of weird because there's there's not the clear or, or rather i could actually if i if i'm mulliganing to five so i've drawn my seven cards and i put two back on the bottom I can still be looking at those five cards trying to decide whether or not I want to mull to four or not. Because the mulligan actually includes putting the cards on the bottom. Right. That's And that's if you if you get asked like serum vision questions. Or serum, or not, uh, serum powder. Serum powder, serum powder question. That's, that's the thing that you want to remember. The mulligan isn't complete until the cards are on the bottom. Right. There's explicitly a part of this, um, of this rule that I think really only exists for serum powder that says if any effects allow them to take other actions anytime they could take a mulligan, which serum powder says anytime you could take a mulligan, they must first put the appropriate cards on the bottom of their library before they can take those actions. Yep. So, so you, you mull, you mulligan to five, you have put those two cards on the bottom. You have five cards in your hand. You may now decide to mulligan to four. But like Brogan said, most of the time, people are going to have their seven. They're going to be looking at that and go like, oh, I don't want to keep this. Just chuck it back. Chuck it back. We're going to four. And that's going to make it a little bit harder to do things like keep track of how many mulligans people have taken. So you do as a, as a player one of you. Yep. Yep. You don't want to, you don't want anybody to do any, any, any sorts of cheatsies on you. Any sort of treachery. That's a lot of treachery, Brian. It is. Hey, single cards. <laughs> Card specific stuff, starting with A. Yeah, <laughs> as as we are prone to do. Um, so the first card that we're going to talk about is Agent of Treachery. It is five blue blue for a human rogue two three. This is when Agent of Treachery enters the battlefield, gain control of target permanent. 
And then at the beginning of your instep, if you control three or more permanents you don't own, draw three cards. Love it. Bull. Love it. Okay. Yep. So uh, uh, let's just let's do this note. Let's just slap all of our catch-all things we discuss every release notes cards onto one onto one card. Cool. No, there's no copying. There's or, there, uh, there's no copying, but there's an intervening okay. if and control oh, effects. Is there? There is. Okay, so gaining control of a creature. Uh, so okay, so you play it. You're gonna snatch up someone's permanent. Uh, gaining control of a creature doesn't con- doesn't cause you to gain control of any attached auras or equipment. And gaining control of any auras or equipments doesn't change what they're attached to. So just because you gain control of their equipment doesn't mean you yoink it off their creature. Alas. If you pay the equip cost, yeah, you can move it on to one of your own things. Um, this effect does not have a duration, so it's it's mine. You gain control. Yep, you might as well say yoink. That's the ability, yoink. <laughs> um, a token? Okay. Um, a token's owner is the player who created it or who under whose control it was created. Um, so if you... I play an effect that creates a token on on your side of the you know, that has you put a token into play. They're the the owner of that token, so you can then steal it for for the purposes of determining permanence you don't own. Yes, um, and then uh, if you gain control of a uh, if you gain control of a permanent until end of turn, okay, because this card also cares at the beginning of the end step. Um, so uh, uh, if you gain control of a permanent until end of turn, like say Act of Treason. That's going to wear off the end of the cleanup step. Um, you're going to control that permanent uh, during your end step for the for the second ability. So, or de- or at least depending on. Uh, Assuming no one takes it back. Right, right, right. Uh, because most of those abilities aren't necessarily uh, uh, triggers. They're just effects that have a duration. Um, now, what we have here is we have an intervening if clause on the second ability, which means it has to be true both in order for the trigger to be put on the stack, and it has to be true when the trigger resolves. So I can't, at the beginning of my end step, if I only have two two permanents I don't control, put this ability on the stack, yoink a third one, and then draw the three cards. I don't get to do that. Uh, conversely, if I have three and I put the trigger on the stack and somebody kills one, and I only have two when the ability goes to resolve, I don't get the three cards. Checks it twice, like yep, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Uh, hey, Brian. So you don't yeah. have to do two very complicated cards in a row. You want to just do the next very quick one? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, and yeah, that next one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the so this card, Angelic Gift, is one and a white for an enchantment aura that says enchant creature when Angelic Gift enters the battlefield, draw a card. Enchanted creature has flying. A blink. A blink. You know. Okay, I gotta make a pause here for a second. <laughs> you did you did the release notes starting at the top and working to the bottom. I started at the bottom working up. I also have a if we scroll down, I also have a card in the release notes that has this exact same factoid in it. Oh, yeah. So we'll just skip that one. We'll we get just to it. skip that one we'll when just, we get there. Or we'll just say like, oh yeah, it's the same as Angelic Gift is. Okay, so this is it says when Angelic Gift enters the battlefield, draw a card, but it's an enchantment aura, which means it goes on a creature. So if I cast Angelic Gift on a creature and then Brogan mercilessly destroys that creature. Um, as I do. I, as she's prone to do. I have I can't give my Angelic Gift to that creature anymore. And so my Angelic Gift 
gets countered due to lack of target, and I, I, I don't draw a card. Hooray! It's a very so, simple card, uh, but we we gotta we gotta include something for that for the hey if you don't have a target you don't get any of the rest of it. Yeah. All uh, right. I'm pumped for pumped? a Temsis All Seeing. The art's pretty. The card's cool, and it's a Sphinx. It's pretty cool. And it's got six eyes on its wings. Yeah, the foil for this thing's probably going to be awesome. Um, but uh, Atemsis All-Seeing is a 4-5 uh, legendary creature Sphinx for three blue, blue, blue. Um, it uh, the, the relevant part of this card, beyond just giving you some swell card advantage and having flying, um, says whenever Atemsis All-Seeing... Whenever Temsis All-Seeing deals damage to an opponent, you may reveal your hand. If cards with at least six different converted mana costs are revealed this way, that player loses the game. Nice. Um, Every card, for the purposes of determining six different converted mana costs, every card has exactly one converted mana cost. Um, A card with no mana cost, something that just does not have a mana cost printed in the corner, um, like, you know, uh, the one, the blue one, the blue one that you suspend. Um, Ancestral Vision. There we go. Um, A card with no mana cost has a CMC of zero, and yes, zero counts as one of your six converted mana costs. Um, If there is an X in in the cost, um, the mana cost of the spell... The value of X is zero. Um, This is another obligatory every release notes episode. We talk about it. The converted mana cost of a split card is determined by combining the the cost of its two halves. This is a change that happened a few years ago. Um, So you take the two halves, slap them together. That's your total converted mana cost. Um, If an effect causes you to play with your hand revealed for whatever reason, you can still reveal your hand as part of the, of the ability, um, there's no, like, oh, it, your hand was already revealed, so you can't do this. No, like, it does not have to have previously been unrevealed in order for you to reveal it. Uh, but that's, uh, I think this card's really cool. Alright, this this next card has me, has me super, super stoked. I love this card very much. Alright, for one mana, it's an artifact called... The Bag of Holding. Hey, y'all. Heard you like D&D. Another Wizards of the Coast product. Yes. Uh, so, fl- flavor-wise, a Bag of Holding in D&D is basically a sack that you can just keep putting things in. It's like an extra-dimensional space. It's, it's, got, it's a, like, got a lot of space in there. It's like the TARDIS in paper bag form or or sack form it's bigger on the inside Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so you can just keep shoving stuff in it um so what this card does is is it says whenever you discard a card exile that card from your graveyard then you can spend two mana to draw a card and two mana tap draw a card then discard a card which which would mean that it gets uh, uh exiled and then for four mana and tap Sacrifice Bag of Holding, return all cards exiled with Bag of Holding to their owner's hand. So this so is, I guess, cool. turning the bag inside out and yep. having everything just spill out. You just, yeah, you just like rip the bag apart and yep. everything falls out. Oh, this is great. Um, okay, so 
uh, rule-specific notes. Um, if you discard a card, but it's not in your graveyard when the triggered ability resolves, because this is a triggered ability, not a replacement effect, that card's going to stay where it is. Okay, so if you have something that says, like, whenever a card goes to the graveyard, or instead of going to the graveyard, it goes back to your hand, something like that, it's going to be in the hand. Um, it does not then if, go from your hand to exile. Yep. If you control more than one of Bag of Holding, uh, when you discard the card and it's going to get exiled, I guess you, you get to choose which bag it to put it in. Doesn't get to go in yep. both bags. Um, drawing, drawing and discarding as part of the second ability uh, take place while the ability is resolving. So in between the draw and the discard, you can't you can't do anything. Um, now, oh, there's flavor warning. The 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 I, I copied a section exactly from the release notes because it's really cute flavor wise. I'm, I'm excited. I haven't I haven't read this. I hope it has something to do with a portable hole. Um, flavor warning. If a bag of holding leaves the battlefield, the items it contained are exiled forever. Okay, well, that's that's just a real that's just a real thing, right? Because the bag of holding is going to be yep, um, it's destroyed oh, yeah. and perhaps scattered through the astral plane. If the bag of holding card returns to the battlefield, it's considered a new object without access to the card stored by the old object. So yeah, you want to um, now people who play D and D also know that you never, ever, ever put a bag of holding in a portable hole. What happens, Brian? Um, well, see, okay, so it changes. I don't know what it does in 5th edition, but it used to do things like, because, like, a bag of holding was an extra-dimensional space, and a, and a oh, I'm letting my nerd flag fly <laughs> Um And the portable hole was an interdimensional space, they like matter and antimatter, and they exploded and did like a huge amount of damage, and then teleported you to another plane of existence. I love it. Uh, I don't know what fifth edition does, but uh, but yeah. So a portable hole is just what it sounds like. It's it's a hole that you it's can roll hole. up. It's just it's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where you just got this yep. piece of black cloth that you just flop out on the floor, and there's a hole. And there's a hole. And then when you're done, you can just roll it up and put it back in your bag. Okay. But not in your, but not in your bag of holding. But not in your bag of holding. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that card's great, and it's flavor-wise really cute, and also seems to be like an actually pretty good card in, especially in limited. Yeah, I mean, base, yeah, for four mana and sack it, you're gonna get uh, every card that uh, that you discarded. So, so if you have like a lot of cycling stuff, ooh. super good. Yep. Um, next we have Bishop of Wings. Um, which is a human cleric 1-4 for white-white that says whenever an angel enters a battlefield under your control, you gain four life. Whenever an angel you control dies, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. Um, if it dies at the same time as one or more angels, um, its final, its last ability about angels dying will trigger for each one. It does see those angels dying even though it is dying at the same time. If somehow um, your Bishop of Wings is an angel, if it enters the battlefield as an angel, it will trigger itself when it enters the battlefield. If it is an angel when it dies, its last ability will trigger as it dies. It can see itself if it somehow is an angel. What you got, Brian? (laughs) I got Blight Beetle. Way grosser. For one and a black, uh, yeah, leaf and soul alike wither at its touch. Uh, for one in the black, it's a 1-1 one, one insect with protection from greed. Dun, dun, dun. So your little 1-1 one, one, 
Uh, with a name like Blight Beetle, you would think it would have Death Touch, but alas, no. It just has protection from green. And then on Little Billy, this is creatures your opponents control can't have plus one, plus one counters on them, which kind of laughs at Hydras. Um, yep. Yep. So this doesn't remove any counters that were already there. So you 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 know your opponent's got a big five five Hydra with the five counters on it. You drop a Blight Beetle, you know, no big deal. They still got a five five. You can still block because you got a pro green creature. But um, if they hit, but, yeah, yeah. Um, new creatures entering the battlefield uh, that are—they're not going to get any counters. So all those all those hydras in, the, in your green player's hand just kind of got worse. Alas. Um, yep. Uh, if a replacement effect allows a player to modify or replace an event by putting plus one plus one counters on a creature uh, that Blight Beetle can can stop. Uh, that player can apply that replacement effect, but they're not going to get any counters. Um, if the original event is entirely replaced, such as something like applying Vigor's replacement effect, then the entire original event simply doesn't happen. The the damage, you know, it, it didn't take any. Uh, Vigor says if um, if a creature would take damage, put that many plus one plus one counters on it instead. So you can still apply Vigor's ability, and they won't take the damage, but they're not going to get the counters. Um, and then if a cost or ability, or if the cost of an ability or an additional cost requires putting plus one, plus one counters on a creature that Blight Beetle can, uh, can, can, that's affected by, we say affected by because Blight Beetle says creatures your opponents control, so your creatures are fine. But um, that cost can't be paid. Um, so if you're resolving a spell or ability and it says, uh, let's see, if you're resolving a spell or ability and it says you may put plus one, plus one counters on the creature, you can't choose to do that. That's not a choice you can. Make. So, so it's even if normally you you could do something with those counters, you you can't choose to yep. pay a cost. You can't pay. Yep. Little blighty says no. Mm-hmm. It's sort of we talked about something like this with like if you can't search your library recently. Do you remember what I'm talking about? In the Modern Horizons. Yeah. Episode? So you 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 cannot choose to pay a cost that you just. Cannot we're talking pay. about like if you couldn't, if your life total couldn't change. But. Either way, this is a this is something that has been discussed. Um, ooh, the next card, yeah, is well, sp- spooky, um, and it's called Cavalier of Night. This is part of a cycle of at least a few of these. They're sort of like um, every every set's got their like weird cycle through all the colors of big spooky idiots who do something cool, like the Titans or the um, Gear Hulks. Yeah. Is this the set's big spooky idiots? I, it looks like it. Okay. Um, there. So Cavalier of Night. There's Cavalier of other stuff as well. Uh, but <laughs> but this one. Uh, is that its actual name? Cavalier of other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It's 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 all of them stapled together. <laughs> uh, but it is a four five for two black black black. That is a creature elemental knight. Um, it has lifelink. Uh, when Cavalier of Night enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Uh, then, when Cavalier of Night dies, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so that first triggered ability when it enters the battlefield um, goes on. It goes on the stack without a target. So when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. This is a reflexive trigger. So. You sacrifice your creature, and then your opponent or someone else will have the opportunity to respond before the when you do destroy target creature 
will resolve. So that goes on the stack, and there is the opportunity to respond before that creature is destroyed. Um, this is different from things that say, um, uh, if you do, or something like that. Like, there's, th- this is a, this is specific language, so pay attention. Um, you cannot choose to sacrifice more than one creature as part of that first ability. Um, regarding the second ability, if a creature, if a card in a graveyard has X in its mana cost, X is zero. Um, if somehow uh, you have a copy, something a, something has copied Cavalier of Night, and your copy is chilling on the battlefield, and the card that copied it has a converted mana cost of three or less, so for example, Phantasmal Image, um, it can ta- target itself in the graveyard when it dies. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it itself is a card with CMC three or less. But Cav- normal Cavalier of Night is not, or else that would be busted. All right. Ready for Chandra? Ready for Chandra number one. Chandra. This is, this is, um, this is baby Chandra, right? Uh, I think oh, no, no, no. This, is, this, this is middle Chandra. This is teen Chandra. Yep. All right. Yep. So, so I'm, uh, Chandra Acolyte of Flame is one red red. For a four loyalty planeswalker, she has uh, three loyalty abilities. The first loyalty loyalty ability is zero. Put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control. Um, the, so, okay, so this ability, one of the cool things about this first ability is she will put a counter on herself. Um, and uh, uh, putting uh, putting the counter on other planeswalkers will not cause their loyalty abilities to be activated. It's just putting a counter on them. Uh, one cool thing I, I note about this is a doubling season is going to double these counters. Yep. Uh, normally, uh, for activating a loyalty ability where you're putting counters on, that's part of a cost, so doubling season doesn't double them. But this is a resolving ability that's putting counters on. Pretty so cool. Them, yeah, you get them double counters. All right. Um, the second ability is also for zero. Create two one-one red elemental creature tokens. They gain haste. Sacrifice them at the beginning of uh, the next end step. Okay. Then you have a that, that's pretty self self-explanatory. And the minus two ability. So she has no way of gaining. Well, no wait. The first ability lets her gain. There's um, there's no in there's no plus one or plus whatever. Yeah. It's it. But, but the first ability is yeah. sort of like a plus. Yep. So for minus two, uh, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard. If that card would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Okay. So with this last ability, it's just giving you permission to cast the card. It's not paying any costs. It's not uh, so for you, free. Right. So you still have to pay the cost for the for the spell cast with that ability. If it's got any alternate costs, you can pay them. Uh, if it's got additional costs, you can you have to pay them. Uh, or well, I guess it depends on if the additional cost is optional. Um, if the card in your graveyard has X in its cost, uh, would... <laughs> yep. Yep. It's going to be zero while you target it. Um, so this is actually one of the rare cases where this actually works out to your favor. Slightly different. Right. Uh, which I didn't realize when I started reading this bullet point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you have something like Fireball, um, normally it says like, hey, you can cast it without paying your mana cost. 
fireball is is x in a red you go oh i'm not paying I, i'm not paying the mana cost x is zero well here yeah x is zero so it's going to be a spell that it's got to convert a mana cost of three or less you can cast it but when i go to cat that just gives me permission to cast it and once i do that i can tap 10 mana and fireball your face for nine you can make you can make x much larger if it's if it's already been targeted yep at that point you've locked it in right because it's just it's just it's just targeting it to give you permission to cast it at a later point in time it's once it's got permission to cast it, it's got permission to cast it um and then the last thing is uh you have to cast the target card with the last ability as the ability is resolving you can't cast it later so um typically speaking the way you can tell whether a card set is an ability like this lets you cast later or you have to cast it now it says if it says you can cast it until the end of turn like it gives a duration if it doesn't give a duration you have to cast it right now yeah if it doesn't tell you when to do it you're doing it now yeah so that's kind of a weird thing because if you're going to cast it you've got this ability that's resolving and in the middle of resolving it you're casting a spell and then that's going to go on the stack above this ability that's currently in the process of resolving it is weird but speaking of weird uh yep. we've got bit we've got big chandra mama chandra mama chandra chandra chandra, chandra. i don't know <laughs> it's mythic mythic chandra um yeah. chandra awakened inferno um for four red red um has six loyalty uh and a static ability that says this spell can't be countered um that being said, you can still target the spell on the stack with counter spells. They will resolve, and Chandra just won't get countered. Um, any additional effects that your counter spells have will still happen. It's not like when a target is illegal and you just don't get the whole thing. Chandra is a legal target for your counter spell, and your spell will still resolve. It will just not counter the spell. So if you have something that says counter target spell gain three life. You'll still gain your life, but uh, the, the the Chandra still resolves. Um, her plus two ability says each opponent gets an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals one damage to you. <laughs> I have this gift for you. Take this emblem. Enjoy I, it. I like the fact that it stacks. Like, Yep. Um, just keep, keep. <laughs> you're just adding more. Um, emblems uh, are not permanents. There's no way to remove them once they're there. Um, the emblem will trigger at the beginning of the upkeep of the player who gets the emblem, not necessary, not the player who controls the Chandra. Um, as Brian was saying, a player can have more than one emblem, and each one will trigger separately. Um, in Two-Headed Giant, each opponent, because it says each opponent gets an emblem, uh, you're, it's super, super good. Because each of your two-headed giant opponents gets an emblem. There are two opponents there. Oh, mm-hmm. that's absurd. So the first the first time, because you're putting it on their turn, and then they immediately go into their turn, and they have the beginning of their next upkeep, they're going to take You just two, get bop-bopped. And then they're going to take six. Uh-huh. Or no, are they, it's it, going to be two, then another two, so four. Four, yeah. Six total. Okay. Yeah. What a beating. And that is a plus two ability. <laughs> um, I, so I found in the, in the release notes, I found a section that I think is a reference, but I'm not sure uh, okay. about, about this emblem ability that says 
If you leave a multiplayer game, your opponents keep any emblems Chandra gave them. Thank you, Chandra. Uh, each opponent owns the emblem Chandra gives them. In multiplayer, your opponents continue to burn after you and Chandra leave the game. Yes. Um, there is... It's the, uh, that the, is the a, land continues to burn, right? That is a land continues to burn reference. All right. Uh, there was a card, I, I want to say Zendikar block? <clears throat> It was a it was a red it was a red creature that that basically gave obsidian fireheart yes. from from Zendikar yeah it gave it gave counters it put counters on lands and the and it, the counter like the 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 land had an ability on it or the counter had an ability on it that uh that allowed it to that the the ability was not tied to the fireheart it was tied to the, the counter. Uh, so as long as it had the counter, it continued to burn. The land continues to burn after Obsidian Fireheart has left the battlefield. All right, but yeah, I thought oh. that was—I thought that was cute. Um, uh, I was gonna do a segue. Speaking of cute, but it's a cat. Ooh, yeah. hot hot takes, Brian. Hot takes from from Brian. Hot takes uh, for a hot cat. Hot Chandra's Ember Cat. All right, so Chandra's gonna. <laughs> Yep. She just kind of fell a little bit. I. It's, just, it's a cutie. Eh. Uh, so for one in a red, it's a two-two <laughs> elemental cat. Tap, add red mana in your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast elemental, uh, an elemental spell or a Chandra Planeswalker spell. Um, so Chandra Planeswalker spells are specifically uh, Planeswalker spells with the subtype of Chandra. Uh, you can't just use anything with a picture of her on it or having her name on. Like the next card that that Bergen's going to talk about is Chandra Chandra's Regulators. Uh, that's not a Chandra Planeswalker spell. It is. It is specifically Planeswalkers yeah. that have the subtype Chandra. It's not just oh, this has got a picture of her on it, or this is flavor wise related to her. It is specifically yeah. those Planeswalker spells. Yeah, and then the, and then the flavor text is fur, fur balls. Try dealing with fireballs. Boom boom. You're so you're so salty, Brian. I I I dislike cats. I'm cat allergic, but I'm not cat averse. I'm there. There's maybe 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 I'll tell maybe I'll tell my my one of my cat disdain stories in the in the in the Patreon. But I I have, <laughs> I have reasons. I it's, I fully believe that you have totally legitimate, mostly legitimate reasons. Mostly legitimate reasons. But yeah, stay tuned. Listen to the after show notes. <laughs> uh. Chandra's Regulator, and now that we're on a fourth card, Chandra related in a row, definitely not in alphabetical order. Um, Chandra's Regulator is a legendary artifact for one in a red uh, that says whenever you activate a loyalty ability of a Chandra Planeswalker, you may pay one. If you do, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. It also has... And an activated ability that's, uh, that's one in tap, discard a mountain card or a red card, draw a card. Pretty neat. Um, for the first ability, uh, you cannot pay that one mana more than once. You cannot say, oh, I'm going to pay one five times and copy my ability five times. That does not work that way. Um, copying a loyalty ability does not add or remove loyalty counters. The adding or removing of loyalty counters... Um, usually is is a cost of activating those loyalty abilities. Um, so 
the this is not co- copying that ability does not also add or remove the counters. Um, if your loyalty ability has minus X in the cost, your copy will use the same value for X that your original um, ability did. So if I chose minus four, my copy will also be choosing minus four. Um, the triggered ability uh, and the copy that your triggered ability would create both resolve before your original loyalty ability that caused it to trigger. Um, they will also still resolve even if your loyalty ability is countered. Um, fairly fairly common things that come up when it comes to um, sort of these sort of act these triggered abilities that let you create copies. That's not a, an uncommon thing to have on a card. Um, as far as the activated ability, um, mountain, when it says discard a mountain card or a red card, uh, mountain means mountain. It does not mean any land card with a mana ability that makes red mana. Um, also a mountain in itself is, is not a red card. Lands are typically colorless, even if they produce red mana. Now, can you do a snow covered mountain since modern horizons has snow lands? That's a mountain. It is a mountain. All right. Easy enough? <laughs> easy. Easy. All right. Um, what is not easy is the embodiment of agonies. Uh, I, this is, I love this card. This is plural. Okay, so embodiment of agonies. Uh, oh, he's got faces coming out of his chest. Um, for one black, black is a zero, zero uh, creature demon. Uh, as they say, unlimited resource. This fails the vanilla test. What, uh, is, what is the vanilla test? Uh, the vanilla test is basically if you if you just look at the power toughness of the creature, um, is it a good card? Uh, like basically, oh, this is one is, a, is very a, not a two two for two, a three three for three, that kind of thing. Got it. Okay, so this is a this is a zero zero for three. It fails the vanilla it's, test. It's bad value. Yep. Um, flying and death touch. Uh, still, even with some pretty powerful abilities, we still we still haven't got there yet. Because uh, it's just a flying death touch zero zero, but embodiment of agony enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each different mana cost among non land cards in your graveyard, and then it's got some very helpful flavor text that says, for example, two black and one black black are different mana costs. So from the, that's from a just, such important reminder text. Yeah, it it is because what happens is is two black and one black black are both three. So this tells you that I'm not caring about the converted mana cost, but I'm caring about the actual mana costs, okay? Which is, which is very different than most other cards that refer to mana cost, because they're yep. typically talking about converted mana cost. Yep. Um, let's see here. Is your card either... Uh, let's see here. Card has... Uh, every card... Uh, has either no mana cost or exactly one mana cost. And you go, well, what about split cards? Well, both. both. Um, it's, it's, you add those up. Um, so uh, a card with no mana cost is not counted, uh, while a card with a mana cost of zero is counted. Okay, so, so not having a mana cost means you, you don't have a mana cost. So your, your ancestral vision on this one does not, does not count. Right. Um. So we're going to check the mana symbols um, on there. So basically one in a red is different from one in a black. Um, hybrid mana symbols are counted as different than the individual components. So a, um, 
like a, a blue-green uh, hybrid mana symbol is different from a blue mana symbol and is different from a green mana symbol. Uh, we talked about split cards already. You just sum up the split card. Uh, things like alternative costs, additional costs, and all that kind of stuff, you ignore them. Uh, they're not part of You're just looking at what's in the top corner. Um, X is... is, is uh, uh, Different from zero. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, we're uh, we're throwing we're throwing everything off with this one. Right, right. Because normally, like XX red and X red are different. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you return uh, if you return it from your graveyard to the battlefield, okay, this is the one that gets complicated. Mm-hmm. So if you have a uh, a spell or ability that returns embodiment of agonies from the battlefield, or sorry, from the graveyard to the battlefield. Okay, there's no, like, in-between zone between the graveyard and the battlefield. So the replacement effect kind of applies before it enters the battlefield, and before it enters the battlefield, where is it? It's in the graveyard. So it actually sees itself in the graveyard and can give itself its own plus one, plus one. Yep. That's nuts. It's so silly. Yep. Well, that's pretty vicious. Ah, you know what else is vicious? I don't know, but I'm sure you'll tell me. Gargos, Vicious Watcher. Which is some very concerning Hydra Lord thing. Um, It is a legendary creature Hydra. It is an 8-7. And it costs 3 green, green, green. It is a big friend. Um, (laughs) It has Vigilance. uh, Has Hydra spells you cast cost 4 less to cast. And whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, Gargos Vicious Watcher fights up to one target creature you don't control. I like oh, this card. Hold on. Yeah. This, this last ability right here, before you even get into the rules of it, whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, Gargos Vicious, Vicious Watcher fights up to one target creature you don't control. This Gargos is like the broest of all bros. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just sitting there looking for someone like, are you picking up my buddy? Want to fight? Yeah. What are you, what are you like, gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It's a it's a drunk at the bar. No, this it's... is the this is the older brother like hanging out bro- at the. This is me at like if my if my sibling had been in like a sport sport, and yep. I'm just like, what? I'll fight you if you if you if you pick on if you pick on them, I'll fight you. I'll fight. I'll fight you. It's just Gargos like just breaks a beer bottle against the against the bar. I'll cut you. Yeah, just, I'm ready to go at any time. Let's go. Okay. okay, that's that's all. Just when you read it out loud, it just hit me that this thing is just... It's, it's just ready to go. From, it's Wayne from Letterkenny. Yes. Okay. This is, this, is, this is the toughest guy in Letterkenny. This is the toughest guy in Letterkenny. Um, all right. <laughs> so, for our um, first ability, the cost reduction ability, um, when you're determining the cost of a spell, you start with the mana cost or whatever alternative cost you're paying. Uh, You add any increases, then apply any reductions like this one. Um, But the the converted mana cost never changes. Um, The reduction ability will only apply to generic mana. So if something costs, say, three green green, and you have Gargos on the battlefield, um, it will still cost green green. It will not remove that the you need to pay Double green. Um, If a spell has X in its mana cost, you choose the value of X before applying your reductions, 
And applying those reductions does not change what you chose for X. So if I have a Hydra and I choose X equals four, I only have to pay, well, I, I don't have to, I don't have to pay that whole thing. But if I have, but if that creature I'm casting says like it deals X damage to another creature when it enters the battlefield, that X is still four, even though I'm not paying the full four. Um, the reduction ability only applies while Gargos is on the battlefield. It does not reduce its own cost. You do not get to play this for green, green, green. Um, the As far as the triggered ability, um, Gargos' controller chooses which, if any, um, creatures that it will fight. So you do not... It says up to one target, so you don't have to choose a target, but... As Gargos's controller, you get to choose what you're going to fight. Um, if a spell targets one creature you control multiple times, Gargos is only going to trigger once. Because that is only becoming the target of a spell once. Even if it's being the target multiple times. However, if a spell targets multiple creatures you control, Gargos will trigger once for each of those creatures. Which is sweet. That is. Um, and as always, if the target creature is illegal when the triggered ability tries to resolve, it's not going to resolve. You don't get to fight anything. Aww. You don't then get to choose another creature or something. All right. Um, so the next card is Knight of the Ebon Legion. It is a, a single black mana for a 1-2 vampire knight. Two and a, it has uh, an activated ability for 2 and a black. Knight of the Ebon Legion gets plus three, plus three, and gains death touch until end of turn. All right. Nice, uh, nice. And then it has a triggered ability that says at the beginning of your instep, if a player lost four or more life this turn, which four power might happen to be what it is after the first Um, If it lost four or more life this turn, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on Knight of the Ebon Legion. Um, So for that last ability there, you're going to look at the entire turn to determine whether or not a player lost four or more life. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many players, like if you're playing multiplayer or two at a giant or something like that, it doesn't matter how many players lost four or more life, just that at least one did. And it doesn't matter if Knight of the Ebon Legion was on the battlefield when they lost the life. Okay? It, does, it doesn't have to have seen it. Right. It can, it can look back at time. It just says at the beginning of your upkeep, it just looks back at the whole turn. Um... Let's see here. Uh, if a player loses, um, if a player uh, paid life as part of a cost for something, well, that's still losing life. Um, and uh, you don't you don't have to have lost the life all at once. So if you lose two life and then lose one life and then lose one another life all in the same turn, then that counts. Now, one other thing: um, damage causes loss of life. Okay, it loss handily reminds you on the card. Thank it you. does. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of weird when you take damage when you the player take three damage, that damage gets converted into loss of life, and loss of life is what causes you to pick up your die and knock it down three if you're not following <laughs> the MTR. If you are following the MTR, you're gonna mark out the seventeen <laughs> on your life and write a fourteen down because we all keep our life uh, on things like notepads or boogie boards. We don't use dice. Definitely, like Mr. Bungle does. Who? Uh, it's a, a 
it's it's a uh... am i too young for this yeah i'm too young for this <laughs> oh okay there's actually a band called mr bungle and they got their name from a 50s era school uh presentation on uh, like a little there was this little puppet called mr bungle who did things like he didn't wash his hands and he cut in line and he was he was just a bad little boy and so the whole video was like you want to wash your hands you don't want to be like mr bungle oh so mr bungle is the other judge mr bungle is the other judge is the the, the judge that doesn't wash his hands after he goes to the bathroom and cuts in line and uh uh, doesn't read the text of the card when giving a ruling. Love it. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anything else we want to say about Knight of the Ebon Legion? Uh, n- absolutely not. <laughs> not like that? No, not like that at all. <laughs> all right. Next, we have a very cool elephant. Uh, Loxodon Life Chanter. It's a 4-6 for 5 and white. That is an elephant cleric. Uh, when Loxodon Life Chanter enters the battlefield... You may have your to- you may have your life total become the total toughness of creatures you control. Neato. Um, and also has an activated ability for five and white. Uh, Loxodon Life Chanter gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is your life total. Uh, I see sort of like a symbiotic relationship happening here mm-hmm. with itself and your life total. Um, <laughs> note, um, you can activate the activated ability... Um, after Loxodon Life Chanter has entered the battlefield, but before the first ability resolves, if you want to get the big life. <laughs> yeah, so for the low, low cost of 12 mana. For 12 whole mana. You can double, double plus six your life total. <laughs> um, so, um, as far as that first ability, you can, you can choose. Um, you don't have to change your life total. It is a, it is a may. Um, so you, you don't just have to, cha- you don't have to change it. Um, if you do choose to do so, um, you set your life total to the new number while that trigger is, triggered ability is resolving. Um, there is never an opportunity to take action between when you choose to set your life total and when your life total changes. There's no like in between period where, where someone, you can play some sort of game of chicken where it's like, oh, do you. Do you, so you may, are you going to do it? Okay, if you're going to do it, I'm going to kill all your creatures. So your life total is set to zero. Ha ha. No. Um, once you have chosen to, to do that, there is no opportunity to um, intervene. Yeah. Um, in order to set your life total to a certain number, uh, you gain or lose the corresponding amount of life. Um, like we just looked at our friend Knight of the Ebon Legion. Um, if your life total goes down, um, if you if you are setting your life total to, I don't know, let's say four life less than where it was, that's you are you are losing that life. Um, if you're setting it higher, you're gaining that amount of life for anything that cares. Um, if you set your life total with Loxodon Life Chanter, it it only happens once. You're not then locked into having the same top life total as your creature's toughness forever. So if your creature's toughness later changes, it's not then also changing your life total again. That would be very interesting. Yeah, that's our that's our cool elephant friend. All right. Uh, so the next card we're going to talk about is called Masterful Replication. 
Masterful Replication is a instant for five and a blue. Oh, so this is going to be good. <laughs> it's got to be good. Yeah, uh, we get to choose one. Uh, we either get to create two three three colorless golem artifact creature tokens, or choose target artifact you control. Each other artifact you control becomes a copy of that artifact until end of turn. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the first ability is pretty much straightforward. Uh, choose. You know, you're gonna you're gonna make uh, two three three creatures. Okay. Uh, the next one's the 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 weird one. So the copies, when it becomes the copy, um, it's going to get the printed values of the target artifact. It's not going to copy counters or any other effects that have changed it. Um, so if you actually have something that has become an artifact, like uh, you you use like I'm going old school, like Ashnod's Transmogran to make a creature uh, an artifact creature, and then you make a you make a copy, they're all going to be just the printed creature. Um, if an equipment, uh, an equipment that becomes a copy of a creature becomes unattached. Shocker, you can't, you're not the Hulk, you can't wield <laughs> a creature as a, as a, as an equipment. Um, so, uh, an equipment that becomes a copy of another equipment, it's going to stay attached. Okay. Assuming it was attached before. Right. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, if the target artifact is copying something else, your artifacts become copies of whatever the target artifact copy. I had to, it took me a second to wrap my head around that one earlier. Yeah. So, um, cause, cause copy, I mean, you, with layers, you have, you have copy mm-hmm. effects. So copy effects, you know, uh, uh, you apply those in order. So, uh, your artifacts are, are going to become, so if my artifact is like, it's, I'm blanking, like, uh, Sculpting Steel is an artifact that comes into play and can copy another artifact. And it copies a, let's say, just say a Soul Ring. I play this, and I'm going to copy my my Sculpting Steel. Well, my Sculpting Steel is a copy of a Soul Ring, so all my other artifacts are going to become Soul Rings. Not just another Sculpting Steel for you to, like, choose each individual one. But if I have, say, a land that has been animated into an artifact creature, and then I choose that to be the artifact I control, and then each other artifact I control becomes a copy of that artifact, it's going to become, they're going to become the unanimated land. Just a regular old land. Just a regular, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so in one case, in one case you get the kind of, yeah, just trust us. Yeah, you know what else works? What, what else works? I think Mystic Forge. Oh, hey now. I, you're an all-star? <laughs> um, Mystic Forge is a four-mana artifact that says you may look at the top card of your library. Wait, hold on. There's a typo on this card. What? You may look at the top card of your library anytime. Is it at any time? Yeah, is that still grammatically correct? Uh, you I may think look so. look at the top card of your library anytime. I th- uh, yeah, maybe? Huh. I, I think it's still grammatically... Right, but does not follow past formatting. Interesting. Maybe maybe they didn't want you to confuse, like, I don't know, with a trigger? Because of the word at? I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. But, um, yeah. So, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card. Um, it also has an activated ability that says tap, pay one life, exile the top card of your library. Um, 
noting, looking at the top card any time, um, this doesn't use the stack. You don't have to give your opponent the opportunity to respond to it. You can just look at the top card of your library. Um, however, if the top card of your library changes while you're casting a spell, playing a land, activating an ability, while you're doing something else, while something else is resolving, um, you can't look at the top card until you're done because the top card of your library is changing and you're doing something else. Um, uh, as far as casting the top card of your library, if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card, um, you follow the normal timing permissions and restrictions for casting a spell, um, even though you're doing it from a slightly weird place. Um, if it's a sorcery, you can only play it when you would play a sorcery. Um, you can pay additional costs if you want, and you can pay alternative costs. Um, if, uh, we talked about one like this earlier, uh, with, um, adding the counters, but if for some reason your life total can't change to activate the activated ability to pay one, uh, paying one life, um, or you can't lose life, uh, you can't activate that ability because you cannot pay that cost. Uh, so I did a quick check. Uh, they changed the template with Guilds of Ravnica. Really? Yeah, so it used to say you may look at the top card of your library, period, and then in parentheses, you may do this at any time. Oh. And starting with Guilds of Ravnica, they changed it to you may look at the top card of your library any time. They did Experimental Frenzy, and then with Bolas's Citadel. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Cause it, 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 re- it reads weird. It does read weird. How did we not notice this or point it out before now? Because we definitely talked about Bulls' <laughs> Citadel before. Yeah, we probably talked about Experimental Frenzy we before. definitely I did. I don't know. I think we might have just added the at. Yeah, I think we we mentally put that in there. But, uh, yeah. Um, All right. We've cool. been ambushed by this templating change. Yeah. So, uh, so Night Pack Ambusher is uh, for two green green. It's a 4-4 four, four. wolf with flash. Uh... Uh... Yeah, good. Uh, good other good. wolves and werewolves you control. How is that not before your time? Because uh, I like music. All right. Um, so other wolves and werewolves you control get plus one, plus one. And at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't cast a spell this turn, create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. All right. A creature that is both simultaneously a wolf and a werewolf will only get plus one, plus one. We'll get plus two, plus two. Sorry. Um, so here's... Here's also one other thing to remember about uh, Nightpack Ambusher. So it's going to give other wolves and werewolves the plus one, plus one. Uh, if you take, if you have a wolf, let's, let's say it's a two, two, or it's a, it's a three, three because of Nightpack Ambusher, and it takes two damage, and then Nightpack Ambusher leaves the battlefield, it's now got two damage. Like before, it was a three, three with two damage on it. It's, that's fine. But now it's a two, two with two damage on it. That's not so good. Yep. Yep. Uh, the other thing it says we're at the beginning of your end step. If you didn't cast a spell this turn, uh, make a make a two two wolf. Um, Nightpack ambusher is able to look across the whole turn. It doesn't just care about while it's on the battlefield. It's actually going to look at the whole turn to see if you cast a spell. And the last thing is, if you cast a spell and it gets countered, you you still cast the spell. So no wolf for you. Yep. And this is this is sort of hearkening back to our friends in. In Estrad, with with werewolves and yep. all that fun stuff. Um, 
Hey, Brian, is the next yeah. card the one you were talking about that's just, uh, that was a... No, it actually says in the notes that I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out on the air. Oh but... no 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 the the one about uh it's just a matter of if something is no longer illegal. Oh target. yeah 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 it's that. But that uh, I'll still talk about it because it has another relevant piece uh, and also it's a cool card. Okay. Uh, Omnath, Locus of the Royal, one green, blue, red, three three, elemental, legendary. It's sweet. Um, when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. Um, the number of elementals you control is determined as it's resolving. Or So while that's on the stack, you can get rid of or add some more elementals to to adjust that before the ability resolves. Um, uh, also, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target elemental you control. If you control eight or more lands, draw a card. Hooray! Um, if the uh, elemental you target with that ability is no longer a legal target um, when it starts to, when it resolves, um, you don't get to draw a card because your target is not legal. So this is a more more complicated version of uh, the one we discussed earlier. Yeah. All right, Brian. Speaking of more complicated, more complicated cards. All right. So so this is this is a card that I actually. Re- if you used to read the release notes beforehand, I'm going to try and figure this out on the air. Uh, the card is Repeated Reverberation. For two red red, instant, when you cast... Oh, boy. When you cast... <laughs> uh, 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 the, or when you next cast an instant, cast an instant spell, cast a sorcery spell, or activate the loyalty ability this turn... Copy that spell or ability twice. You may choose new targets for the copy. Okay, so generally speaking, if I I, I cast repeated reverberations and then I cast um, any little, uh, you know, a spell that lets me draw a card, okay, I'm going to copy it twice. So I'm going to get to draw, I'm going to get the original spell, and then I'm going to get two copies. Now, the the rules for copies, we've gone over... um, uh, several times um the copies are going to be created even if the uh, uh the original spell leaves the leaves the battlefield you're going to use last known information uh if the spell is uh modal uh the copies are going to have the same modes if uh the spell has an x in it uh they're going to have the same x uh you can't choose to pay any additional costs for the copies uh but if the copies had the additional cost paid, then that's going to count. Sorry, if the original had the additional cost paid, then that's going to count for the copies. The, the now, copies will have also had the right. additional they will cost have air effect applied. Paid the additional cost. Okay, so now here's where I'm going to figure things out on air. Um, we're, we're doing it live. Yeah, we're doing it live. All right, so I cast a repeated reverberations, and then the next instance... Sorcery spell or activated loyalty ability I cast is an instant reverberation. What's going to happen? All right. Uh, Well, first off, what's going to happen is you're probably going to call a judge, and then they're going to come over, and then they're going to panic. Sounds right. Yep. Okay. So when you cast the 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 repeated reverberation, cool. You're gonna you're gonna copy you're gonna copy the repeated reverberation twice. So I cast it. Then I cast the second one. The second one is going to get copied two times, which means I now have three 
instances of repeated reverberation that each is going to let me copy the next thing twice. So I cast my spell that, you know, my giant growth or whatever. I'm going to get to copy that six times. So dumb. It is dumb. And then if that third spell is a repeated reverberation, um, you've just spent 12 mana. Already. <laughs> you uh, have. You're you probably have. not going to be caught casting anything after that. So we're not even going to bother uh, going beyond that. But It gets dumb. It, it does get dumb. And this is going to turn into one of those uh, uh, like precursor golem questions. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Okay, but yeah, do you do you hear that? Is it six copies? Yes, six. Co- okay, because cool. because you make three delayed triggers, and each delayed trigger co- makes two copies. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. That's that's <laughs> a little little pull back, pull back, and listen to Brian talk through a card out loud. So gross. Yes, I think in the show notes it was like, "Oh God, make the math stop." Yeah, that is exactly what it says. Oh, God, make the math stop in all caps. Um, but to give you a little, little breather after that, I'll talk about our friend Rien, Angel of Rebirth, um, who is a, an, a legendary creature angel. It's a 5-4 for four, two red, green, white. Um, for two and Naya. Um, she has flying. Um other multi-creatured, 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 multi-colored creatures you control get plus one plus oh. And whenever another multicolored creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, this is apparently a buy box promo. Enjoy buying a box and getting a commander card. Um, <laughs> uh, if a multicolored creature you control... Um, ends up leaving the graveyard after it dies, but before the trigger resolves, um, to, to return it, uh, you don't get it back because it has, it is gone elsewhere. Um, sort of like, uh, what were we talking about earlier that did the same thing? You don't then pull it out of wherever the heck else it went. Uh, it was the bag of holding. Yeah, bag of holding. Uh, because this is a um, triggered ability, not a replacement effect. It doesn't just like happen immediately or something like that. Um, a fun thing: if an effect will ca- causes a non-multicolored creature to become multicolored, and then then it dies, you'll get it back because it was a multicolored creature when it died. Um, if Rien dies at the same time as a as a multicolored creature. Um, You'll get that back again because Rien sees it dying. Additionally, um, if your creature dies, eh, the delayed trigger is set up, um, and then your Rien dies, um, you still get your creature back because your triggered ability was was already set up is not dependent on whether or not Rien is there. So uh, I think it, it's neat. Yeah. The, the, the next card is just in the show notes because it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Okay. So, for two and a black, it is the Rotting Regisaur. Regisaur. It is Rotting set- Regis Philbin. Rotting Re- Regis Philbin. Well, isn't that redundant? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, he's not no, dead, right? No, he's not dead. All right. No, yeah, no comment. Um, it is a seven six, for three mana, it is a seven six zombie dinosaur. 
So all of you, uh, you Harry Dresden fans out there. Oh, uh, what? you can ride the dinosaur out of the museum. You can ride the dinosaur out of the museum. Yes. Um, now they're not going to just give you a seven, six zombie dinosaur, uh, for, for three mana for nothing. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you're going to discard a card. Oh, oh no. Um, and if you have no cards in your hand, if you're hellbent already, oh, well, you're not discarding it. You just get Um, to keep, keep doing your thing. Yep. Now the flavor text is, now that's a zombie. Complete with (laughs) the, the word that in that sentence being unitalicized for emphasis. Yes. Said by Modris of Zargoth. That's just a bunch of made up words. (laughs) Modris of Zargoth. Yeah, somebody put that into a fantasy name generator. Right, right. It's like some some stupid NPC in, in elf. Yep. Land. Yep. Okay. What's what's next? Salvage this. I'm gonna salvage this one by talking about Salvager of Ruin. Um, it is a two one artifact creature construct for three. Um, it has an activated ability uh, that says sacrifice Salvager of Ruin. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to your hand. What a cutie. Um, a couple <laughs> of small notes. Um, it cannot target itself. It is not in the graveyard when you declare your your targets. Um, interestingly enough, um, it does not care if Salvager of Ruin uh, was not on the battlefield when that permanent card was put into the graveyard this turn. Like the things we've been talking about earlier that talk about things happening this turn, it looks at your whole turn, regardless of whether or not Salvager of Ruin was on the battlefield. Um, Any permanents that are in your graveyard that were countered um, as spells, uh, those those, uh, unfortunately cannot be returned with Salvager of Ruin because they were not put there from the battlefield. Yep, but it's a cutie. The the next one... uh... Is uh, Sorin, Imperious Bloodlord. Glad to see he made it out of his wall. Wherever uh, the heck he was. We saw that in uh, uh, War of the Spark. He got out of the wall. He's free. He's free. Did we ever figure out how? I don't think so. Yep. But I, I, I don't follow the lore enough these days to really know. But if you know how the heck he got out uh, of, of wherever he was, let us know. Yeah. Well, according to this art... He's in trouble because he's about to get attacked by a weeping angel. It's true. Um, it is. There's a there's a weeping angel coming up behind him, and he needs to turn around. Uh, we're just all over the place with references. So it's anyway, true. um, so uh, Soren Imperius Bloodlord is a uh, two and a black for a four, four loyalty planeswalker. First ability as a plus one ability. This is target creature you control gains death touch and life link until end of turn. If it's a vampire, put a plus one plus one counter on. Okay, that's pretty straightforward got a second plus one ability that says you may sacrifice a vampire when you do imperious soren imperious bloodlord deals three damage to any target and you gain three life uh now this one right here is a reflexive trigger so that means when you sacrifice you may sacrifice a vampire and when you do um you're gonna with uh you're gonna get to target uh, a planeswalker a creature a player and you're gonna get to gain three life uh, there is no time between sacrificing the vampire uh, and putting the target on the uh, declaring the target. Um, so 
you're gonna you're gonna sacrifice the vampire, and as soon as you do, uh, it's gonna deal three. You're gonna put the next trigger on the stack, which means you're gonna declare the target for uh, for what it's uh, what it's gonna hit. But you do, but there is a window between yep. there. There is an additional trigger that goes on the stack yep. to respond to once that target has been chosen. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, if you somehow eliminate that target, you're not gonna gain the or sorry. If your opponent eliminates that target, you're not gonna gain the life. And then the third ability is just minus three. You may put a vampire creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yep. Uh, next, we have Thunderkin Awakener. It is a one, two for one in red. It's an elemental shaman with haste. Uh, whenever Thunderkin Awakener attacks, choose target elemental creature card in your graveyard with toughness less than Thunderkin Awakener's toughness. Return that card to the battlefield tapped in attacking. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Cool. Um, the toughness of the creature, the elemental creature you're targeting, has to be less than Thunderkin Awakener's toughness, both when the ability is put on the stack and when it resolves. Um, if Thunderkin Awakener um, leaves the battlefield with that trigger on the stack before that trigger resolves, um, we'll know, we'll use last known information to de- determine what that toughness was. Um, so if it was, if it was still a one, two and then Thunderkin Awakener, uh, dies or otherwise leaves the battlefield before, um, that trigger resolves, we'll, we'll look at it as a one, two in taking into consideration whether or not that target is legal. If, and if you hit it with a minus two, you, you hit it with uh, two minus one minus one counters somehow at instant speed. Oof. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a negative one zero. So uh, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck finding a a an elemental with toughness less than zero. Um, you um, choose which player or planeswalker the creature you return is attacking, and it does not have to be the same creature that thunderkin awakener is attacking so if i'm attacking brian with my thunderkin awakener and i return some creature and want to use that to attack brian's chandra i can do so um the returned creature is um tapped and attacking but it is never declared as an attacker um so if there's something that cares about you know how many creatures you attacked with this turn or whatnot um it would not count for that. Uh, next card up is Twin Blade Paladin. Uh, Twin Blade Paladin is a human knight for three and a white. Is a three three that has the ability that says whenever you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on Twin Blade Paladin. And as long as you have twenty five or more life, Twin Blade Twin Blade. Oh, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> Twin Blade Twin Blade Paladin. Twin yep, Blade yep, Paladin yep, yep. has double strike. Uh, okay, so the first the first ability triggers per life gain event. So if you gain one life and then another life and then another life, well, that's three separate triggers. If you gain three life, you know that's that's only one. You know, three life all at once. However, uh, creatures with life link, um, while their damage is all considered one damage block. So if I attack with three one one creatures with life link, if I attack broken, um, that broken's going to take three damage. That's one damage event. But because of the rules of, of lifelink, that's three life gain events. Okay, so my twin blade paladin will get three counters, one for each uh, lifelink critter. Um, now, what's interesting is is if a uh, twin blade paladin is dealt lethal damage at the same time I gain life, 
uh, it's going to be dead before it gets those counters. So so if I attack with the Twin Blade Paladin, my three little 1-1s one attack into Brogan, and Brogan attack, uh, blocks with a, uh, a Bear Cub with a plus one, plus one counter, uh, my Twin Blade Paladin is going to eat it, and then I'm going to gain the life. I'm going to gain the life, but it's going to die with the triggers on the stack. Womp womp. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, I love the fact that I just asked this question and didn't answer it. And did not answer it. An did not answer it in the notes. Oh, yep. this is karma here. Okay, so what happens during first strike combat damage? You take damage and drop below 25. So let's say you're above 25 and your twin blade paladin uh, has double strike. And first strike damage happens. You deal three damage. And then something happens that causes you to drop below 25 points of damage or 25 life. And your twin blade paladin no longer has double strike. Does it get to do regular da- regular strike? It do not. It do not. No regular oh. strike. Yep. Okay. Good. I'm glad it was an easy question that I asked in the notes. Um, <laughs> right. Because the hard questions are the ones where it's just like, uh, yeah. I don't oh, know. Here's, here's a thing I thought about. Um, okay. <laughs> let's not address it and <laughs> figure it out just, as let's we just go ignore along. Ignore it completely. Um, so, uh, um, now let's say the, the reverse of that, let's say I'm ta- attacking with, uh, a f- you know, my twin blade paladin and a first striking life linker and my life linker deals damage and I go over 25. So now my twin blade paladin has double strike. Well, that's still, it's, it's going to do regular damage. It's going to do the three, the three points of damage. It's, it's not going to get like double a, a, a second first strike damage right. step. Right. And then here, here's the the thing. Uh, pro tip: um, we said the Chandra, the the big Chandra, or was it? It was the big Chandra that was good in two headed giant, right? Because mm-hmm. it gave the it gave the, the emblem. emblem to each opponent. Mm-hmm. Well, Twin Blade Paladin's also good in two headed giant because your life total starts off at thirty. So as long as you have twenty five or more life, which is you start off with, <laughs> which right. you have from the beginning. Right, you're four mana, three, three, double strike. Good game. Get in there. All right. All right. Moving on to Unholy Indenture. Ugh. I don't... If you have holes in your dentures, you should probably get them checked out. But anyway. Um... Well, these are unholy dentures. Um... They don't have holes. Okay, okay. Perfect. Great dentures. Um, unholy Indenture is an uh, enchantment. It's an aura for two and black. Uh, enchant creature. When enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Hooray! Um, so, um, you can enchant any creature. It does not have to be your own. Um, you will control that creature when it returns, um, regardless of who controlled it before it died. Um, so I can enchant Brian's creatures. It can die. And then I will get them when they come back. Um, uh, if... I don't like that. Why not? It's because you're getting my creatures. You're uh, killing it and then you're taking it. Perfect. Um, if you're the creature, when it comes back, um, enters the battlefield with any other counters for some reason, um, it will enter with those counters, plus the, uh, the additional one from Unholy Indenture. Um unfortunately this does not work with tokens because those cease to exist and those cards cannot come back yeah. oh this is another one where i asked a question yeah I, I d- that i don't have the answer to ryan yeah 
Okay, so what happens <laughs> is it says, uh, um, when the enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield. Okay, well, the enchanted creature is a permanent on the battlefield, and when it goes to the graveyard, it changed zones. Okay, so it's a new object. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how is in, Unholy Indentured able to see that? Well, there's a list of like eight exceptions in the rules to zone changes being considered a, a completely new object. And this is one of those exceptions where the enchantment can actually see it. Um, even though what, what's what's funny is the unholy indenture is also going to go to the graveyard, right? Because the enchanted creature is going to die. The unholy indenture is going to like uh, twitch and you know twitch and like hang out there like wily e. coyote uh, running off a cliff for just a second, and then it's going to go to the graveyard too. Uh, but its ability is able to see the creature uh, that that left the battlefield uh, because of exceptions to the rule. Neato. Yep. Okay. Uh, the next one is Vivian Arcbound Ranger. Arcbow Ranger. Arcbound Ravager. Wait, what? Arcbound. I, I almost said that. Um, okay, this is... Uh, she's a Planeswalker for one green, green, green for loyalty. Uh, the, her plus one ability says distribute two plus one, plus one counters among up to two target creatures. They gain trample until end of turn. Uh, so this is actually when when casting a spell or activating an ability, there's the stuff that we rarely talk about called how to distribute. And this is actually that. Now, it's it's kind of an uninteresting choice because if you target one creature, it's going to get two counters. And if you target two creatures, they're, they're going to get one counter each. Uh, but it's still, you're still deciding how to, how to distribute. And if... One of those creatures, so if I target two creatures and one of those creatures dies before this ability resolves, I don't audible and get to put, like, okay, well, since one of them's dead, I'll just I'll just put two counters on the one creature. It, it does not then, like, spill over onto the other one. Right, right. It's, it's spilling over. It's like, it's like count, counter trample. Uh, right, yeah. It's, it, it, we, we don't have counter trample. Yep. Um... So, uh, so then we've got another, the sec, the second ability is a minus three ability. This is target creature you control deals damage equal to the power, equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker. Um, the interesting thing here, here is, uh, it's going to target, target creature you control and target creature or planeswalker. If either target is illegal when this, when that ability goes to resolve, no damage is going to get dealt. The last ability, the minus five, is you may choose a creature you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Outside the game is a tournament inside, uh, is, sorry, is, is referring to your sideboard for tournaments. For casual play, it's whatever. Run upstairs and say, hold on, hold on, hold on, I got the perfect card for this. And just run upstairs and go get the card. <laughs> uh, just be quick about it. Just, just Don't keep your friends waiting for a million years. Yeah, use, right. use discretion. Right, maybe, maybe have, maybe pull it out of your trade binder. I don't know. And if, everyone's um, going to have have like house rules for how they yeah. want to do that. And then in EDH, uh, I believe you don't actually have wishboards or sideboards in EDH hmm. anymore by default. So you, this ability, I don't believe it does anything in EDH unless you agree with your group to use wishboards or sideboards or something like that. Yep. All right. Uh, the next card is the one that I'm totally going to skip because it's only about targeting creatures. Oh, there you go. All uh, right. So I'm going to skip it. Okay. Um, instead, talk about some wolves. Well, not exactly some wolves. 
Um, Brian, I'm really curious why these are together because they're both wolf related. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to do it then and you can have the next card? No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, I will talk about both of these wolf cards. Uh, th- it's it's because um, one is one is putting the equipment on the wolf, and the other is an enchantment that can't enchant the wolf it's putting into play. Makes sense. Okay. Um. All right. So, Wolf Rider Saddle is an uh an uh, an artifact equipment for three and green. When Wolf Rider Saddle enters the battlefield, create a two-two green wolf creature token, then attach Wolf Rider Saddle to it. Um. This is. I call it's it's weird living weapon if you're familiar with that. Um, it's a bad batter skull. Um, equipped creature gets plus one it's, plus one. It's a batter a, skull. A batter skull. Yep. <laughs> equipped creature gets plus one plus one and can't be blocked by more than one creature. Uh, it has equip an equip cost of three. Um, so uh, the wolf enters a, as a two two creature. Um, and then the equipment gets attached to it. Um, so if something cares about creatures entering the battlefield with a certain power, a certain toughness, it that sees a 2-2, not a 3-3. Um, however, um, there is not a window for a player to do anything before that, uh, before Wolf Rider's Settle becomes attached. So um, you can't shock the 2-2 before it becomes a 3-3. Um, if the equipped creature has menace, um, that plus the ability that says it can't be blocked by more than one creature means that you just can't block it all, which is swell. Um, our other wolf friend is a wolfkin bond, uh, which is, uh, is an enchantment aura for foreign green enchant creature. When wolfkin bond enters the battlefield, create a two, two green wolf creature token. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two. Uh, so I see the, the the disparity between these two cards in that like one is always going to attach to the wolf, whereas the enchantment is can't attach to the wolf. Um, so uh, wolf can bond. Um, you can't cast it unless you already have a creature. You cannot choose to attach it to the wolf that you're eventually going to get. You need to have a target before. Um, before you cast it. Um, if your target is illegal when um, Wolfkin Bond resolves or is tri- starts to resolve, um, you do not also get the wolf because you don't get your Wolfkin Bond. It's very sad. Okay. Oh, and look, the card that you, you didn't want to cover. The card I didn't want to talk about. The card you didn't want to talk about. Okay, I'll talk about it. I ain't scared. <laughs> you, you have... Just little. Um, this card is... <laughs> is Yarrick the Desecrated for two. One black, one green, one blue. It is a 3-5 legendary elemental horror. It's a legendary rules horror. Well, <laughs> right. That is true. It is a 3-5 creature with death touch and lifelink. That's it. Nothing else. Um, nope. It's got one yeah, other de- thing. Definitely nothing else relevant. Yeah, nothing else relevant. Nope. It, But it says... If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. That's a lot of that's a lot of words trigger. Yep. Um, yeah. So, all right. Whew. 
Uh, so Yorick affects uh, a permanent's own enters the battlefield to trigger, as well as triggered abilities that trigger when that permanent enters the battlefield. Okay, so let's let's de- decompose that. A little <laughs> let's bit. let's break this apart. Right, I'm gonna say trigger so many times it's gonna start lose stop losing. Uh huh. So I'm gonna pick because we just did Modern Horizons. I picked the card Mana War. Okay, Mana War is when it enters the battlefield. Uh, Bounce a bounce another critter. Okay, so if I play Mana War, I'm going to get Mana War's trigger, and then that ability is going to trigger an additional time. Okay, now if I have something like a Johnny's Welcome, okay, which I gain one life whenever a creature enters the battlefield. If I played a Mana War, a Johnny's Welcome would trigger twice. Okay, because that that is a a permanent I control. Okay, now if I have something else that says whenever anything enters the battlefield or whenever any creature dies, um, oh, sorry, not dies because this is entering the battlefield. If something says whenever any creature enters the battlefield, I gain a life. Okay, that's a permanent I control. Even though the creature coming into the battlefield is under Broken's control, I control the card that's triggering off of that. You, Brian has the card that would trigger. Yes. And okay. my my permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent Brian controls to trigger. Yep. All right. So again, trigger. Lots of triggers. Sand the trigger. Can we just tell people to listen to the Kaladesh release notes and listen to what we said about Panharmonicon? Uh, they're not gonna. It's just power. <laughs> okay. Um, this ability doesn't copy the trigger. Okay. Um, it just makes the trigger trigger twice. So, uh, if the trigger is modal, um, like, oh, hey, this is why Voracious Hydra was in the notes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that, was the, that was the card we skipped that a little bit ago. That was the lead-in. Yeah. Voracious has, Hydra has a modal ability. It has uh, a modal trigger, yes. So, if the, trigger, if the trigger is modal, so normally when you make a copy, you're locked into the modal choice, Okay. But in this particular case, the trigger happens twice. So if the if the trigger is modal, you actually get to make different choices for each trigger. Right. It just says it it triggers an additional time. It doesn't yep. copy the trigger. Yep. Okay. Now, geez, just just like with that other card, <laughs> where it's like you cast multiple copies. If somehow you have two Yariks, you're gonna get three total triggers, not four. It's just you stop being greedy. You just get an additional trigger. Um. If you're simultaneously, if you're doing something and you're you're putting a lot of creatures on the battlefield at the same time as Yarok, because the ETBs are checked immediately after the event, uh, Yarok will allow you to get the additional trigger of all the permanents that enter and that that have ETB triggers. So all all your fun stuff splatting onto the battlefield at the same time does get the bonus. Splatting is a good way to think about it. Yes. <laughs> so now here's the bake your noodle part of this whole thing. <laughs> Um, if the trigger is linked to another ability, okay, uh, the second trigger is linked to that same other ability. What? Okay, so, um, so if the ability refers to the exiled card, it refers to all cards exiled by instances of this triggered ability. Um, this is so dumb. Yeah, this, this is, okay, so let's, let's just cut to, uh, uh, an example. Uh, here that kind of that kind of sums all this up. Okay, so there's a card called Elite Arcana. Um, 
the actual text uh, that says, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card uh, from your hand. All right, so it enters the battlefield. You've got Yarrick here. Uh, it's going to trigger twice. I'm going to exile uh, uh, two instant, or I may exile two instant cards from my hand. I may exile one card and then the trigger again. I exile another one. So Elite Arcanist then says, X, tap, copy the exiled card. You may cast that copy without paying its mana cost. X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. So I got two. I got two cards exiled. What do I? What? What do I do? Is it? <laughs> do I get to pick? Um, the answer here, though, is uh, well, well, both cards are exiled. So X is going to be the converted mana cost of both the cards. The sum total. The total. The total. So so if I've got a card that costs two and a card that costs four, I'm talking six here. Your X so is my six. My X is going to be six. I'm going to tap and then I copy the exile card. Well, which one? Do I one or the other or both? Turns out I can do any of those. So I can I can cast I can cast the, the first card exile, I can cast the second card exile, or I can cast both cards exile. In whatever copies, order you want. Copy, copies of them. Yeah. So that's the the the, the practical reality of it. Actually, getting into like the the rules minutia is probably if you're you're driving to work, you, you probably already kind of started to tune this out. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the practical uh, the, the the practical aspect of this is if you have a if you have a linked ability, okay, that refers to cards that that happened in the trigger, the, the linked ability refers to those cards. It it refers to both yep. of them in some capacity. Yep. All right, so that Oof. is A through Y. Oof. Oof. Uh, there are so, 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 so many cards in the um, in these release notes for card like spe- specific card things to know about. Um, we clearly did not cover all of them, and yet we've had a very, very long episode with a lot of very interesting cards. So please for, for go second. check these out. <laughs> For a set where they say, like, corsets, they kind of reduce the complexity, there's actually a surprising amount of complex cards in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... They, they've they've always, like, said, oh, it's primarily geared toward, like, newer players and have a simpler limited format and generally fewer mechanics. Whew! There's just a lot of rules-dense <laughs> stuff in here. Yes. All right. So I guess that's 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 the end of this, huh? Yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about our corset 2020? No. Well, <laughs> Great. If we're uh, feeling good about these cards, I uh, just want to thank Brian for being here. Thank you all for listening. Um, if you would like to reach out to us or connect with us, um, you can find us on Twitter at, uh, at JudgeCast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash JudgeCast. You can shoot us an email uh, to judgecast at gmail.com and you can check out our website at judgecast.com um, that all being said uh, my name is Brogan King and I keep it fun I'm Brian Perlman and I keep it fairly long it's been two hours it's so been two gonna, hours it has been two hours uh, so I'm not going to talk about my uh, my dislike for cats in bonus show legitimate okay